Um, I want to just share with you tonight from Luke chapter 3. I believe this is a prophetic word that really speaks into this season in which we're in, in terms of what is happening in the church. How many remembered COVID? Do you remember that? It kind of, in some ways, it seems like it was a long time ago, but, you know, I know that Melbourne was, it wasn't easy. It was very, very tough for you guys over here. We lived in Dallas during that time, and so, you know, it was hard, but nothing like what you went through. And uh, we're in a time, I think, right now where God is bringing us out of, you know, what the enemy ultimately was trying to do to stop the church. But yet, how many know that God still works in spite of what the enemy intends for evil, right? God can turn it around for good. Amen? So God has a purpose for all things, even though he may not, he's not the author of, of those type of things. Every good and perfect gift comes from uh, above, from the Father of lights. But I wanted to share with you some things that I really believe God is saying to us as a church in this season in which we're in. There's a massive shift happening right now, a massive shift. You know, the Bible says the first shall be last, the last shall be first. I see, I see that happening all over the globe. God is repositioning leaders. He's repositioning churches. Uh, some churches, sadly, are really struggling during this time. Some did not uh, make it out of COVID. Um, I believe my understanding is in the United States during COVID, there was over 8,000 churches that closed during COVID in the United States. That's a lot of churches. And on top of that, there were something like 30,000 pastors that left the ministry during COVID Okay, in the USA. Some of those churches we've visited recently and they are still struggling, trying to get traction. The numbers are still way down and we're like, where are all the people? What happened? And uh, it's just, just an incredible time that we're in. So Luke chapter three, verses 15 through 17. This is a story about um, the coming of John the Baptist. You know, he appears on, on the stage of history. He's the forerunner. He's the one to announce the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many understand my accent? Okay. How many know I don't have an accent? You have an accent? That's all right. Okay. No, no. I'm in Australia. I can't say that. Forgive me. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. If I were to give this, um, you know, I've been thinking like, what, what would I entitle this message tonight? I think I'm going to call it, are you ready for this? Burn or turn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How many have heard of turn or burn, right? Maybe the old school preachers out on the streets, you know, with the sign, right? Turn or burn. Well, let's flip that narrative, that script, and let's call it burn or turn, okay? In fact, maybe we'll call it burn and turn, and I'll explain what that means. Okay, so Luke 3, 15 through 17. Now, as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to us and help us, Father, to come into alignment with what you're saying and what you're doing in this season, Lord. We want to prepare ourselves 
for what you want to do in us and through us, not only individually, but collectively as your church. Father, help us to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, the Bible says in the New Testament, in fact, Jesus said this, that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet that ever lived, yet he never performed a miracle. His responsibility was to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And so as a forerunner, his focus was always on Jesus. When Jesus comes, he will do something greater than what I'm doing. I am preparing a people, I'm not the Messiah, but I am preparing a people for the coming one, for Messiah, Jesus Christ. I baptize in water unto repentance, but the one who's coming after me, he is greater than I, and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. What a powerful man he was. You know, some, some theologians say that his ministry perhaps was just for a year. We don't know exactly how long he was on the earth, but he had a very specific assignment, and he fulfilled his assignment to prepare a people for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when Jesus shows up, he announces him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the one who would die for each and every person. But he doesn't stop there. He specifically says he has something beyond that. He wants to baptize every person with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And it's very interesting when you look in the Old Testament, you know, you read the book of Joel, Isaiah in chapter 59, and Malachi in chapter 3 speaks of this one who will baptize with, Holy, with the Holy Spirit. But Malachi, more than any other writer, points out this, this metaphor uh, of fire. So I want you to think about that. Fire. What is fire in the natural? Well, fire, if you, you know, know anything about, about science, fire is, is capable of, of generating power, uh, producing light, uh, heat, and purifying metals. Now, just think about that for a moment. Okay, so when you look at fire and you see that as a metaphor describing uh, the, the work and the characteristics of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, put it into that context, right? Fire produces power. Fire generates heat, produces light, and ultimately does a work of purification. And I, I want us to see that because God's plan is when he baptizes us with the Holy Spirit is to make us witnesses unto him. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So in other words, this baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, it causes us to experience power, and this power has a purpose, to be witnesses unto him. Now, when we read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. It filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages or tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, 
often what we have done in Pentecostal circles is speak about the evidence, initial physical evidence, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit being that of speaking in tongues. And though that's true, they experience that. God wants us all to speak in tongues when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus took it to another level. Jesus said that the reason for experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to know his power. And dunamis is the Greek word. It literally means divine ability. And in some places in the Gospels, it's actually translated miracles. So, for example, when Jesus went to his hometown in Nazareth, it says he was not able to do any mighty works there or any miracles, depending on the translation you're reading. It's the word dunamis. So it speaks of supernatural ability. It's not that God just gifts us, you know, and he uses our natural abilities. We're talking about something here that is completely unprecedented, something that we in our own strength, our own ability, our own giftedness cannot do. So he gives us power to be witnesses unto him. It's a very important thing that we understand this. God wants to demonstrate his power through his people so that we burn with zeal for him. We are able to manifest and demonstrate the kingdom of God, not just in word, but with signs and wonders and miracles. We're able to perceive prophetic realities, carry his presence, and overcome sin, experiencing inward purity and holiness of the heart. Again, think about that, okay? Fire, power, fire, heat, or passion. Fire, light, prophetic perception. And fire, doing a work of purification, which does something deep within our lives. And the purpose of all of this is to bear witness of Jesus so that when people see you, when they see me, when they see the church, they see Jesus Christ because Christ is the one that lives. Christ is the only one that we're called to preach. And ultimately, this world needs to see Jesus. They've seen church. Church has been misrepresented. They've seen religion, unfortunately, not always in its finest form. But I'm telling you, once the world sees Jesus, and when everything else is removed and only Jesus is standing there, right, then something is going to happen on the earth. We're going to see the greatest influx of souls into the kingdom of God when we get back to manifesting Jesus to being witnesses unto him. All right. So what does it mean to be a witness? Well, first of all, the word witness, it's a legal term. For example, in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Mm, did you hear that? This gospel of the kingdom preached throughout the world as a witness to all the nations, and then what will happen? The end will come. That's what Jesus himself said, and he was directly answering the disciples' query when they said, what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So Jesus says the gospel of the kingdom is to go forth, and it is to be a witness. When you study 
what Jesus taught, particularly in John's gospel, you see very clearly that he said the words that he spoke testify, but also the works that he did, meaning the miracles also testify. So in deed and in word, in works and in word, not just a message, but a demonstration of the power of the kingdom. But this word witness actually has another meaning. Okay, it's actually the Greek word, are you ready? Martus, and we get our English word martyr. All right, so how many want to be a witness of Jesus? Sign up, martyrs for Jesus, right? I almost, I almost asked you at the beginning, like, how many of you want to really be a witness for Jesus? Yeah, I'll sign up, I'll be a martyr for Jesus, yeah. Now, when you think about this, literally 11 of the 12 disciples, the apostles, ended up being witnesses in that sense. Very, very powerful. But yet, the idea of being a martyr, for many of us, most of us, probably will never experience that in the sense that we will literally die, will literally be martyred for preaching the gospel. But there is a call, nevertheless, to be martyrs in a spiritual sense in which we gladly give up our lives, lay down our lives, and follow him. Taking up our cross, pursuing his will, not living for ourselves, but manifesting the will of Jesus Christ on the earth. Witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, we're not to make a name for ourselves. We're not building, you know, religious or church franchises or, or ecclesiastical monuments that perpetuate the memory of, of a denomination or a spiritual leader. But what we are called to do is to preach Jesus and his kingdom. And we bear witness of that in the sense that we ourselves become like him, identifying to, with him not only in his resurrection, but also in his death. You see, there's, there's, there's a lot of us that talk about, I want to know the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Philippians 3, I believe it's verse 10. Paul cries out and he says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. But then he continues, he says, and sharing in the fellowship of his sufferings. In other words, dying with him, literally identifying with him in this place of death. And so those who after Christ's example prove that their strength and genuineness of their faith in Christ is, is real. They do that in the sense that we give up our lives. We're willing to forsake everything to pursue that call. Now, may I submit to us tonight that many throughout the world have turned the church, the gospel ministries into a platform that is self-serving. It's not become about him, but it's become about us. And I really believe that we are in a season where God is saying, I'm not going to put up with that anymore. I believe that God is doing a deep work in his church in this season where he's bringing us back to purity. He's bringing us back to, to the New Testament ways so that people will see Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said, he said, I want to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
There's a work in which we share in the sufferings of his death and we come into that place. We're called to die spiritually. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 10 and 11, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who are uh, who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Wow, we know that. And of course, Paul's words in Galatians 2, verse 20, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who lived me and who loved me and gave himself for me. I believe the greatest testimony of a life uh, that is fully surrendered to Jesus Christ, of a person that is yielded to God and is being used by God, is not just in miracles, signs, and wonders, but it's in a lifestyle of absolute surrender and conformity to the death of Jesus Christ. Now, what is happening right now, I believe, is God is raising up a people. He's calling us back to the New Testament way, and he's using apostolic voices, prophetic voices, to call the church back to a place where we prepare ourselves for a visitation of the Lord. Remember what it says of John. He cried out, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough ways smooth. Why? So that all flesh shall see the salvation of God. That's what it's all about. That God will do this work of alignment. God will do this refining work. He's going to make the rough places smooth, the crooked ways straight. He's doing a work in the sense that he's laying low the proud and those that are full and focused on themselves. The valleys are being filled or literally lifted up. God is lifting up the humble and the pure of heart, and he's elevating them to be used in this season. I believe that we are in a time and a season where God is saying, I'm very serious about all flesh seeing the salvation of God. I'm very serious that people will behold who I am. For God so loved the world what, that he gave his only begotten son, that those who believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's not willing that any should perish, but that everyone should come and know him and encounter him in the fullness of his power, being transformed by him in the fullness. And we are in a stage where God is saying, I am restoring the pure, authentic gospel that is not just in word, but in power. A gospel that breaks chains, a gospel that sets captives free, a gospel that delivers, that heals, that restores finances, that restores marriages, that restores you into your, your identity in Christ. This is a season where God is calling us back to that. So God is doing a work in his church. Hello. Have you ever felt that? I felt the pressure. I've been feeling the pressure. And I really believe it's reminiscent of what we read in Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, 
says the Lord of hosts. But then listen to this. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he's like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. They will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then listen to this. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in former years. Church, we're in a place right now, Numa Church, where God collectively and prophetically is speaking to his church I'm preparing you for one of the greatest outpourings, perhaps the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit that the world has ever experienced. But there is a work of preparation that must precede this. God is doing things in the sense that he's saying to you old mindsets, old ways of thinking, uh, ways in terms of which we limit God based upon faulty understanding of the scripture. You know, it's amazing how many people would advocate and argue against miracles today that call themselves Christians. You know, someone p- preaches on God raising the dead and then all these comments show up where people say, well, God doesn't want us to raise the dead. Like, what, what's the point of that? I mean, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. He told us to raise the dead. But it's amazing how many people will spend all this time and energy telling us what God doesn't want to do. I mean, who are we to tell God first and foremost what he can and cannot do? And we have to come to a place where we recognize that those mindsets are religious paradigms. you, You make the word of God of none effect by your religious traditions. In Psalm 78, it says of Israel in the wilderness that they limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited God by their mindsets, by their thinking. But we're in a time when the Lord wants to manifest and demonstrate his power in a way that we've never seen before. God wants to declare his glory. You know, the Bible says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord is risen upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. In other words, when darkness is getting darker, hello, what is God's solution? What is his antidote? Arise, shine, church. Let the glory manifest. Let God have his way. Let him do what he wants to do. Let people encounter him through you and through me. So God is doing an incredible work, a work of refining us. I, I really believe we have to get back, guys. This is such a simple message, and I just couldn't get away from it. Like, I'm pretty much done preaching the message. Can you believe that? I mean, especially me, right? <laughs> and, 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 and I'm just like, God, what are you saying? God's saying this. Get back to the Holy Spirit and recognize that the Holy Spirit wants to fill you, control you, purify you, ignite you, and take control of your life so that you become like Jesus. You live like Jesus, you talk like Jesus, you act like Jesus, you resemble Jesus on the earth. One of the things that we focused on is is on, you know, external benefits, external privileges and blessings. Well, I'm believing God for my breakthrough. I'm believing God to prosper me. Hello? Now, I'm not saying any of this is wrong, but I want you to, to follow me for a moment. I'm believing God for this. I'm believing God for that. But unfortunately, 
many of us have failed to recognize that the primary calling and purpose of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is, to, is a death sentence. It's a death sentence. 2 Corinthians 1.9, we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we might not trust in ourselves, but in God that raises the dead. Now, a lot of people say, I believe in God for a million dollars. If I had a million dollars, I could do this or that in my ministry. You know, if, if I'm praying and asking God to open a door, God, speak to someone about how great I am, how anointed I am. Tell them and ask them to invite me to, to speak in their church. God, I'm, I'm believing for favor, 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 favor. But what the Lord wants to do is to bring us to a place where we are dead to all of that. And where our focus isn't about whether we get the position, whether we're recognized, whether we're on the platform or not on the platform, but whether Jesus Christ is being revealed in us and through us to this generation. No matter where it is and what we do, that we are manifesting him, we are representing him, and we are witnesses of him. And it's a powerful thing. Look, see... When we talk about, I love, I love Romans 8, 28. How many know Romans 8, 28? For we know that in all things, what? Work together for good to those who love God. Those are called according to his purpose, right? Okay, we love that. That means what? If I lose my job, he's going to give me a better job. This happens, he's going to take care of me. That's true. God can do those things and often does. But how many have gone through a situation where a door closed and you thought, God's going to promote me. And for a long time, he didn't promote you. Things actually got worse in the natural. Hey, been there. Been there. You know, was in a place being on, on television uh, in Canada, in the United States, traveling all over the place. And then went into a season where it seemed every door closed. And didn't have any money. Times, honestly, having $100... That's it, to our name. And, and say, Lord, what's going on? We stepped out in faith. We, we believed you called us to do this. And we step out, and apparently it's not working. So God, where are you? Why is this happening? Why is it that I'm not experiencing the breakthrough? I mean, you told me to do this, and here I am. Nothing's happening. You're not making good on your word, God. Why am I going through this? And God speaks to me, that verse I just quoted, 2 Corinthians 1, 9. You have the sentence of death in yourself, so you might not trust in yourself, but in God who raises the dead. Glenn, I'm bringing you into a season when you're going to have to learn to trust me. You're going to have to learn to depend upon me as Jehovah Jireh, as the one who opens doors. I don't want you to promote yourself. I don't want you to even ask people for money. I want you to trust in me and to pray and watch what I do. Come to a place where you say, I am not strong enough. I don't have the resources. I don't have the power. I don't have the open doors. But God, you can take care of me. And so, Lord, I trust in you as the God who raises the dead, as the God who makes a way where there is no way. 
So where all things work together for good for those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose, how does that actually happen? Because sometimes it isn't manifested. Often it's not manifested in material ways, in physical ways. But nevertheless, we have to go to the next verse, which is verse 29, which says this. It says, for those whom he predestined. What? Those whom he what? Predestined? It says he literally has chosen them to be conformed to the image and likeness of his son. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image and likeness of the son. Now watch this. How does everything work together for your good? You love God. You're called according to his purpose. How does it work together for good? It causes you to become more like Jesus. You become more and more like Jesus, conformed to the image and the likeness of Jesus. Some people say, well, what does that mean? Listen to me. When Jesus was on the earth, he lacked nothing. Everything he had need of was provided by his heavenly father. And the more we focus on dying to ourself and coming and living in the resurrection power of Jesus, the more we're going to experience dunamis power in the miraculous. So it's not just about, well, hey, I just need a million dollars. I need a platform. I need a position. I need more social media followers. No, guys, this is all about becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, dying to ourselves, not promoting ourselves, but seeing Christ promoted in us and through us. See, we bear witness of Christ to the world by manifesting Christ's likeness. So we have this tension in the church. It's very interesting. On one hand, we have those who believe in the fruit of the Spirit. Right? And it's all the gifts. Oh, you know, don't, don't, don't follow after signs. An evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. So don't follow after signs. And just, just the fruit of the Spirit. That's all that's important. Then we have others who are like, you know what? I can cast out demons. I can heal the sick. I can do the prophets. I can do this and that. And their life is a train wreck. I mean, they lack character. I mean, gosh, some of them are the nastiest people you ever come across. I mean, you cross their path and, and they show their true colors. Guys, listen to me. The fruit of the Spirit is proof that God can change a man. The gifts of the Spirit is proof that he can use a man. We need both. We need both the fruit of the Spirit, proof that he can change you. The gifts of the Spirit, proof that he can use you. God wants to use you, but it starts here in us. He wants to do an incredible work in us before he does a work through us. God is purifying his people. He's purifying the church. He's restoring us to Christ's likeness so that we resemble Jesus. You shall receive power to be martyrs, witnesses, dead to self, alive to Christ so that you can represent him to this generation. Loving people the way Jesus did. Demonstrating the power of God like Jesus did. You see, I'd rather be conformed to the likeness of the son than have a million dollars. Now, I know that's easy to say. I've never had someone offer me a million dollars. 
But I'm telling you, I'd rather be conformed to the image of the son than have a million dollars. Because if I'm like Jesus, I can raise the dead. If I'm like Jesus, I can hear the voice of the father say, go fishing, you'll find a gold coin. <laughs> if I'm like Jesus, whatever I need, it's available to be able to do his will. And I will lack nothing. And I'll manifest his goodness and his glory. See, we need the credentials of the kingdom. So often, we look for the endorsement of man. We even seek after education as a way to kind of up our game. And I'm not against that. By any means, I'm not saying that's wrong. But guys, what about this? What about this? Acts chapter 2, verse 22. There's the 222 again. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. The credentials of the kingdom, healing the sick, miracles, signs, and wonders, being able to heal the sick. You know, I remember being in Bali, Indonesia, just before COVID, and I was at a church planters training school. I have no idea why I got invited to speak there. Uh, but I got asked to come and speak on church planning. And so what did I do? I taught on miracles. I taught on the kingdom of God advances through the supernatural. And at the end of my teaching, there was a room full of pastors. I ended up, I had a word of knowledge about someone who had significant hearing loss in both of their ears. I spoke that out and I said, if there's someone here in that shoe, please come forward. A man came forward, a man in his 60s, and I prayed for him and both of his ears were completely healed. They popped open. Now I find out that this man was not a church planter, but he was formerly worked in, in, in for the government, literally the federal government in Indonesia, it was very close to, to the president and he ended up recently having an, an interest in spiritual things and he began to st start attend a bible study recently and someone said there's this guy preaching you should come here so he shows up pulls in walks in doesn't even know that this is for church planners and god calls him out heals him at the end of of the evening he walks up to me uh, of the it was an afternoon session he walks up to me and he says I would like to speak with you. And I said, sure. He said, would it be possible for us to go out for dinner tonight? He said, I'd like to take you out for dinner. I said, okay. We had a team with us, about 12 people total. And he said, well, everyone can come. So we went out and we had dinner in a restaurant. Then he said, I want to invite you to my home. So we went, we pulled up and we got to his house. It was gated. It was this massive house, huge house. And we're like, who is this guy? We go inside, he begins to tell us, well, this is who I am. You know, I worked in the government for years. I'm retired now. And he said, this is my wife, and I want you to pray with her. And so we began to minister to her, and she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Salvation first, and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Both of them were laid out on the floor in their house, speaking in tongues, even being delivered and set free. And then later on, he says to me, he said, can you meet with me this week? But I want it just to be you, no one else. 
So I met with him and he, he told me where to meet him, walk in and I'm like, wow, this is a beautiful, um, like basically a, a vacation villa area. And he says, yeah, do you see all these, all these, all these homes and, and, and so on? He said, I own all of this. And I said, wow, this is very nice. It was on the ocean. He said, anytime you come to Bali, you stay here free of charge. Don't ask me. He said me, not you. If you heal somebody, maybe you'll get invited. Saints, my point is, let Jesus have his way. Allow this Holy Spirit and fire baptism to consume you. Come on, burn with him. Burn with fire. Allow this fire to empower you. Allow this fire to purify you. Allow this fire to change you so you become more like Jesus Christ. There's a theologian in America by the name of, a Pentecostal theologian by the name of Donald Gein. He wrote many great books, but he said this one time. He said, many of us have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're Pentecostal. But he said, few of us have learned to shift into becoming a Pentecostal pedestrian, where we learn to walk in the Spirit, walk with the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, and we allow the Holy Spirit to change us. Guys, the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire is to burn out of you and consume, and even in his church, those things that are hindering what God wants to do again. Let's just go back to this passage where he says, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill brought low. In Canada, we have two cultures primarily, meaning, well, we have many cultures, but Canada is a nation, it's a bilingual nation, English and French. In the French part of Canada, which is predominantly near Montreal and Quebec, there's a road known as the King's Highway. It's in a place, Trois-Rivières, Three Rivers, and it was literally built so that the King of France could come and visit this community in the 1700s. So what they did was they prepared the way for the king to come. They made the rough places smooth, they literally prepared a pathway for the king to be able to come. This is what he's talking about. Remove those things that are hindering what God wants to do. God is dealing with those things in our lives today that are crooked. He wants the rough places to become smooth. And even the most godly among us is feeling this refining work of the spirit in our lives. And this pressure is meant to bring us not to a place of exasperation, but to a place of deeper pursuit of him. For the Bible says the righteous, in Jeremiah 17, are like a tree planted by the river. And during a time of drought, they continue to bear fruit. Their leaves are always green. Why? Because it says they have roots that reach deep. They extend their roots. They're like a tree planted by the water. This is the season and which we're in. God is doing an incredible work. He's raising up a people that will allow Christ
to manifest in them and through them. Allow the baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire to purify you. It's all about death so that we experience his resurrection. So you can speak in tongues and then you curse somebody out, curse somebody out. But it's not, that's not, I mean, it's important, but we have to move to a deeper place. 